it's been such a nice kind of just transition for me just to focus on the kids, focus on our family, focus on my wife, and just be able to kind of be there. The reality is, is mentally I was ready to go there because I had prepared for that moment and had worked towards that moment and realized that that was part of everybody's career was how it finished. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Wabi, from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Excited to bring you tonight's episode because it features one of my favorites and a fan favorite, a lifelong Minnesota Viking. He is Chad Greenway. First round pick of the Minnesota Vikings back in 2006, Chad played 11 seasons in purple and gold. The Mount Vernon native went to the University of Iowa where he was a stud. That led him to be the Vikings' first round pick in 2006, and oh, all Chad did was go on to play 11 seasons, record over 1,300 tackles to be fourth all-time in Vikings history in tackles, 156 games. He was the Vikings defensive MVP three times, the Vikings community man of the year four times, and still does a lot of great work in the community. He came to TCO Performance Center a couple of weeks ago, and we decided to sit down and have a chat with Chad Greenway so he could be the subject of tonight's Skull Stories. I started the conversation out by teasing him because I think it looks like he could still play. I think you could still play. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you look like you could still play. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I think mentally uh, mentally would be the hard part. Yeah. Um, I think physically, yeah, I think, you know, there's other than the fact that I don't want to chase anybody down the sidelines and, right. and get hit in the side of the head. Uh, but yeah, I mean, looks wise, for sure. I mean, like if we just if if a team runs into some problems and they just need <laughs> a guy who's not gonna embarrass the team or himself out there, I mean, you could do it, man. I could do it easily. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you when you do it for so long, college pro, that you sort of just like it would take you like a couple days to be yeah. like, okay, oh yeah, now I remember this. Speed of the game, of course, would be impactful, but. Um, yeah, as long as I don't have to play like 60 snaps, I could probably, right. I could probably give you 5, 10, 15 for sure. So my athletic career ended after high school, which is the um, very, very far cry from how you ended your athletic career. Okay? Well, you're like the but, high, you're like everybody else then right, basically. Right. But like I swear, when I got done with with high school sports and I moved on, I looked yep. back at the the high schoolers coming up behind me and I was like, our teams were way better than those teams. <sighs> everybody Do you, does that. Okay, so are you doing that now? I do that with every level. Like, I was just at the Iowa game a week and a half ago, yeah. and it was like one of those things where I look at these guys like, no. I mean, obviously, I was way better than all these guys, you know, but, they, <laughs> but, in, but it, you know, on paper, they'll have like four or five first-round picks on that team. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just funny that you do that at a high school level, you do that in college, and now at the pro level, it's less of that because you just know that over the course of 11 years, you see guys come in, and you're like, oh, these guys aren't – oh, yep, they are really good. And then you have these other guys come in, and, and – um, I think the level of play changes, um, but it's all such a high level in the NFL. You, you, it's hard to do that with this game. Yeah. What is going through the Vikings' minds right now? You know, I mean, it's early in the season, and there's high expectations for the team. What do you remember yep. about this part of, of your season every year, early on in the season? First yeah, I month? mean, everybody's so excited. Um, you know, the biggest thing when you have high expectations is just to constantly temper those and temper everybody's around you and the excitement. And when you're doing radio shows and you're doing um, interviews, it's just to temper that and to constantly be like, just push that back and to think um, – how can I just get better today mm-hmm. to stay focused solely on what you need to improve on? And, and Coach Zim does such a good job of just holding everybody accountable at every level, himself and coaching staff included, to, to 
to kind of keep things in, in a good perspective. And I think we saw that last year when the team was maybe overshooting the expectations of just being like, yeah, guys, but the next week matters more. The next yeah. week matters more. And it's funny that you got to take it day by day, week by week, and truly every game matters more, especially when you win the next one. And when the next one, they just become more and more important yeah. and the stakes get higher. And um, for a team, it's in its the infancy of a season and the expectations are really high. It's about just going to work the next day going through really getting in that like that mode of it's football season I'm going through my schedule and you know everything's kind of laid out for you, you kind of get into that um the minutiae the grind the day to day and just kind of embrace it and um you know and, and just uh take it one moment at a time yeah you know Terrence Newman retires yep and joins the coaching staff yeah you you retired yeah. and did not join the coaching staff yep. so two different sort of paths as as you begin retirement mm-hmm um, how has yours been the first couple of years? It's been great. Um, you know, I think with four children, having our fourth during my last year uh, in 2016 was kind of like the the idea that like this is and this is enough. Um, you know, and our oldest now is now 11 mm-hmm. um, and busy. I mean, you know, just thinking back to last year, my first year out. I mean, she played a lot of basketball games, and every basketball game was on the weekend. I would have missed every one of those. Now, again, she was a fourth grader and, you know, dads and moms miss stuff because of work. And, but, um, the reality was if I could, if I could really control that part of my life, um, I was going to be able to do that. So my focus, um, is always my family, but I think the NFL kind of consumes you in -hmm. different ways than maybe other, other professions and the pressure and the things that go along with it. Um, it's been such a nice kind of just transition for me just to focus on the kids, focus on our family, focus on my wife, and just be able to kind of be there. I have a lot of different things going on, so I'm not sitting at home all, every day just twiddling my yeah. thumbs. I have a lot of irons in the fire and, and things that I've built up during my career and things that I've now started post-career uh, that have taken my time and effort. But um, the reality is, is mentally I was ready to go there because I had prepared for that moment yeah. and had worked towards that moment and realized that that was a part of everybody's career was how it finished. And looking back now the level of uh, the lack of regret i have is 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 kind of astonishing to have yeah. 11 years and kind of lay it on the line as much as i could i mean uh, i was talking to my college roommates you know last year about or last week about where their careers ended in college and how mine you know kept going in the nfl and just how you want to fulfill your potential and right. i feel like for the most part i did that and i think that leaves you with the lack of regret or the fact that you didn't win a super bowl was like the only thing i didn't mm-hmm. accomplish in my career and if that's all you have left, I mean, you did some good things. Absolutely. Was were you ready to be done after 2015? Um, no. And I think that hesitation is like my wife after we had our third kid. She's like, yeah. I'm not sure if we're done yet. Yes. Which means you're not done. Right. And I think um, that was the same way for my career. Is I didn't know that I was done. And mm-hmm. I think if you left any bit of that gas in the tank, that you'd be sitting here a couple years out, like really wanting to be out there. And mm-hmm. I've you know, that, that's been the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm about celebrating what I was able to accomplish when I played, but now I'm moving to the role of like loving the guys that are playing and supporting them and being a part of it and mm-hmm. from the sidelines for now and, and uh, just enjoying their, their play. So are you um, a dad that's a coach or are you a dad that's watching in the bleachers? I, a uh, little bit of both. Okay. Um, so for our soccer, all the two play soccer and basketball predominantly. They they'll do some other stuff. My my wife ran track in college, so they'll be track athletes down the yeah. road as well. But soccer is 
paid coaches at a younger age. So it's actually really nice because I drop her off at practice. I don't know a ton about the game. I'm learning as I go. Love the game for my girls. It's been awesome for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get to watch and support. I'm a super hustle coach. Like if you took a moment <laughs> off, yeah. um, it's just a moment too long. And my wife's worse. Um, yeah. She's from a super athletic family. So um, there's just high expectations yeah. kind of across the board. So when you're when you're com- when you're competing at something in our family, like there's you lay it on the line, mm-hmm. and I don't care if it's my eight year old. Like you're going to be told in the car, like I don't care that you lost or won or that you had a goal or you did this or that. But if you didn't lay it on the line, like I'm not going to go drive halfway across town for you to walk around the field. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to show up, you're going to do as hard as you can. It's but like that for school. That's just life in general. That's what I was right? just going to say, that, and that's. that's- and that's where, you know, sports, you know, some people can roll their eyes, but sports really can can teach you a lot yes. about yourself and pushing yourself when times you really don't want to be there or do it or be a part of it, but you realize you're a part of this group and team and um, that that becomes what controls how you, your, your energy level and your, your enthusiasm, the mm-hmm. things that, um, your attitude, the things that you can control all the time. Um, but with basketball, uh, I do coach basketball. Um, I am actually the president of the Wyzetta Girls Basketball Association, okay. so I've taken that role on as volunteering. Um, didn't need to add anything else, but I did. And yeah. uh, it's been fun because having four daughters, I want to promote girls' athletics and the importance of it. And, and you know, I just when I saw um, they did a really nice job before me, and I just saw that I could continue to push that and make it better and better for the girls and just give them better things and, and try to, you know, promote the girls' game. So Yeah, you know the – you've you've made me think of Lindsey Whalen, you know, because yeah. we're talking about players retiring and then moving on and what do they do when they retire and yep. president of the of the Wyzetta Basketball Association yep. for yep. the girls. Like, Lindsey Whalen has just retired and has quickly moved on to yep. something else, but it's also sports-related. She's sort of um, a leader in, in sort of what you're doing too, right? Very with, much so, with yeah. girls' sports in Minnesota. So I've gotten to know Lindsey over the past couple of years, you know, three, four years, uh, whether through my girls or just, you know, her play or whatever, and – um, actually just saw her walking downtown Wyzetta like last week oh, yeah. randomly and she was like just didn't know what to do with herself season's over career's over now mm-hmm. so it's not like work into off season mode it's like work into next part of your life mm-hmm. and I think for her and she seemed a little like super excited but a little apprehensive the fact that she's never coached before and now she's the coach yeah. of a Big Ten Power right. Five conference basketball team which right. is going to come with high expectations and and lofty goals and especially with that name like there's going to be an expectation because she's going to be able to recruit girls in and and I think she realizes that but she's you know a, a woman that loves challenges and has obviously exceeded all of the ones she's ever had. Yeah. Um so for me like to have her be a girl that my girls look up to is just awesome. You yeah. know, just to have that lesson kind of right in front of them and be able to watch them on TV and go to games and shake her hand. I mean, that's pretty tremendous. Two Minnesota sports icons, Chad Greenway and Lindsey Whalen. We're going to continue our conversation with Chad Greenway when we come back. Before we go to break, I want to tell you about Vikings Country. You can join host Mike Musman along with the sack daddy Everson Griffin at the Floyd's Bar in Victoria on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. We're going to talk with Chad Greenway about giving back to the community and expectations for the 2018 Vikings when we come back with the second half of Skull Stories. Stay tuned. Hey 
Hey everyone, it's Wabi back with the second half of School Stories. Our conversation with Chad Greenway continues in a minute, but first, experience what it is like to be a Minnesota Viking as you conquer the TCO Vikings 5K. Join us Saturday, October 20th, as you and your friends finish on the 50-yard line at TCO Stadium. Space is limited. Register at vikings.com slash 5K. Chad Greenway, one of the most philanthropic Minnesota Vikings in team history, whether it be the Greenway's Gridiron Gallop, which he started as a young player, or the Lead the Way Foundation, which is Chad and Jenny Greenway's current foundation. Chad continuously gave back during his playing days and still does today. So we're going to get get into that with him right now, and we're going to talk about the 2018 Vikings. Here's more with Chad Greenway. With the Lead the Way Foundation and all the other things that you contributed to over the years and yeah. still are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at at other players, other Vikings. Kyle Rudolph is someone who's very involved in that way. Mm-hmm. What what's going through your mind when you're a player and now for yourself when you're trying to decide how to give back and mm-hmm. how do we go through this process and what yeah. do I choose to give back to? What what's that like for someone who's got a platform like an athlete has? Yeah, you know, how mine really came about was the relationship with Sanford Hospital out of Sioux Falls, and that was because I'm from South Dakota. Um, we gave $100,000 to the Children's Hospital back in 2008. Um, and that was like the first thing we did. That was personal. That wasn't foundation related. But we realized that we wanted to become, we wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't say that, I can't sit here and say that I thought, you know, a decade plus later, we'd be looking back at a foundation that we've built up and have mm-hmm. kind of just superseded all of our expectations in every way. Um, we didn't think that would happen. But now, because of relationships and playing in one town for 11 years and kind of building that bridge and, and using, you know, quote unquote, using the NFL for good, um, has just been so tremendous. And now we look at our foundation as something that could really live on yeah, much beyond my, first of all, beyond my football career, but hopefully onto our kids yeah. and to get them now involved in our locker launch. We had Iowa city last week, um, just to see the importance of what they can do. And it doesn't have to be money or it just to be sometimes time or just the energy to give somebody a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully that lives on through them. And it's so important to have that kind of part of your life. I mean, I remember like in 2000, I don't know if it was seven or eight, the Greenway's Gridiron Gallop. That yeah. was like one of the first things that yeah. you did, right? It was, yeah. I yep. mean, think yep. back to those days and yeah. everything that you've done yep. since then. Yeah, so it's been tr- pretty tremendous, the things we do now. I mean, it's so widespread. We do, yeah. you know, football camp out in Hutchinson. We do, you know, I do free clinics. Um, um, I donate free clinics to, to kids if they come to our events. Like, it's something they can the parents can bid on for me to come out and do clinics. We do the 5K, uh, as mentioned, which now we have to move the date because I have too many things going on on Father's Day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we want to keep that event going because it's been such a great benefit to the Minneapolis Park and Rec and, and their board, and they use it really well. Um, and then just our own individual foundation stuff is so good. So we, we just try to continue to push the envelope and do more. Um, we realize that we can um, be pretty widespread. And the name, especially up in the upper Midwest, South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, the places that we spent most of our time, uh, my wife's from Illinois, so another, okay. another upper Midwest yeah. um, state, we can really provide um, just the name I built up and reputation um, can carry a lot of weight. And that weight can then lead to giving money back to kids and families that need it. So Chad's Locker, talk about that a little bit for people that maybe aren't familiar with it, because you said you just 
opened another one in Iowa City. Yeah, so our locker program is basically, it's it's the program that reaches the most, the highest volume of families and kids. So what it is, is, is we donate this locker and they all look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one in Iowa City was on wheels. It had two parts, so it could really be mobile and go up to any floor. Um, if kids and patients can't leave rooms because they're in isolation, whatever it is, all those things can be wiped down, cleaned and then given to the kids to use. So basically it's full of technology, iPads, laptops, digital cameras, Xbox, PlayStation portables, Playstations, um, all these different things that kids can just use and they almost check it out like a library system. Um, And the idea was just to be somewhat of a distraction, um, also a tool that could be used. You know, parents can use a laptop to return emails or do things for work, whatever they need to do. Um, And then we just wanted to give as many things as we could uh, to the families to be able to kind of just make an impact on numbers. And um, so yeah, we have, what, five in the metro area, one in Hutchinson, Minnesota, one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, yeah. one in Hudson, Wisconsin, one in Iowa wow. City. So that's a that's a big program for and, us. And a big, I think, a big part of it, wasn't it, you know, the, the kids and the patients get a lot of attention, but what about the families, Yeah, right? The yeah. parents. It was really more about the dynamic, dynamic of the siblings that are being drugged into the hospital, exactly. spending weeks and in, in, in time in the hospital, yeah. in waiting rooms or whatever, and just needing that distraction. You know, a lot of us come with technology, right? We have our iPhones, we have yeah. iPads in a lot of cases, but not everybody has that stuff. Um, and now we can provide it. So a lot of what we fund then is a, a, a quarterly update to all those lockers. So now when you get that many lockers, now it's just, you know, the cost obviously goes up. And, and we have a ton of positive feedback from those lockers. And just, you know, people have used them. And one kid watched every episode of Family Guy ever made, you know, like they, they're used for fun. And the parents kind of rolled their eyes, but it got him yeah. through his cancer treatment. And now he's healthy and happy. And that's amazing. Yeah. Um, this year we're raising money. We're donating a, another playground. This will be our fourth playground we've done now. Um, to a home here in Minneapolis, and it's going to be just a huge benefit. So we're kind of mm-hmm. in the process of raising those funds now. So we've kind of just – we do a little bit of everything, and uh, we've grown, but, again, doesn't help with our partners and the businesses that have helped us over the years. I think uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about Fred Zamberletti, mm-hmm. you know, who um, everyone around here was close to Freddie because Freddie just knew how to do that. Yep. And obviously you have the University of Iowa mm-hmm. connection with Freddie. Yep. Um, so just reflect a little bit for us on – on Freddie. Yeah. So, you know, Freddie Zambrelletti, I can't say that I knew a lot about him before I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I went to Iowa, I, I had seen his picture and, and knew about his story, but didn't really know him or had met him. So when I came here and kind of got the spiel and, and he was around a lot then in 06 and 07, 08, kind of as he started to slow down a little bit in the office, but he, then he started to hear his story, the number of games and the streak he had going, yeah. which was just tremendous. And he was really proud of that. And, um, you know, he's just one of those guys. He always called you old boy and just mm-hmm. um, always cared about you, always asking questions about you, always asking about the kids. And, uh, you know, huge connection for us just back to Iowa City and the university, um, as most Hawkeyes do. Um, we live pretty emphatically for that place. And, and he did the same, you know, all the way till um, I just visited him actually about a week and a half ago. Yeah. So um, which was really, really great to come in and see him. Um, obviously it's always a hard time when family's around and things are emotional and, um, but it was great. I'm really happy I did that and and got a chance to see him. Um, but he's just one of those guys that, that, um, really transcends the sport just with who he became and the longevity he's able to stay here and, and, uh, and just the way he treated people, you know, so much about life is about relationships. Yes. And, um, we take a lot of that stuff for granted at times, but he was somebody that didn't and he built a relationship with everybody. I think, um, that's important too, because, Sometimes you lose games mm-hmm. and you have bad seasons and you don't want to walk around the building and not talk to anyone and everyone's in a bad mood and it's super uncomfortable. And Freddie was one of those guys <laughs> yeah. that kind of sort of lightened the mood a little bit. Yeah. You well, know, when you've been through as much as he has, like, you know, starting 
you know, four and four or two and six or one and five yeah. isn't a big deal anymore. You know, yeah. it's just you, you kind of keep things and encapsulate things into a season in football. Um, because when you're not in this world, I've come to realize that now in retirement, is when you're not in this world every day, um, a lot of people are just a little bit more casual about mm-hmm. their viewing. So they're not as like knee jerk about a loss or a season. They're more, they're more, they're kind of removed from that. Yeah. So Freddie, I think, kept that in good perspective. And I think some one of those perspectives you can only gain by being around the game for mm-hmm. a long time and seeing everything. Uh, we were in Nashville to close the preseason. And great spot to it, be. It is <laughs> a great spot to be. And we ran into Hutch. Nice. Spent some time with him. Yes. So, um, you know, he enjoyed talking a little bit of trash about you. So I just thought I'd make, you know, alert you to that. <laughs> Who doesn't talk okay. trash about me? It's what happens when you run your mouth too much yeah, like exactly. me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so that was uh, one highlight of the fourth preseason trip. But now, now we're into the regular season. Yep. So what do you expect from the Vikings this season? You know, I think high expectations um, are warranted. You know, mm-hmm. the hardest part is, is for this team is going to be um, it's easier to live under the radar and have a 13-3 and season like they did last year, even though we didn't have necessarily, quote-unquote, all the right pieces, you mm-hmm. know, in people's views. Um, but when you play the games that matter, right, and they went out and got the wins, and things surprised a lot of us, including mm-hmm. myself. Um but then when you look at this season now, now you deal with the other side. You deal with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots, what they've dealt with for years is just when you win, the expectations go up. And yeah. when you have the talent on the roster, just on paper, um, you need to go prove it. And that's that's the hardest part, I think, is going and proving it in a league that has so much parity in a league that can be completely flipped upside down in one season. It's amazing. So to, to have that expectation and to live up to it is a challenge. Um, I do think that it comes from the top down with leadership with Rick and then Coach Zimmer and on down to the staff. They'll, they'll, do, they'll do as good a job as anybody of just handling that expectation. But getting off to a good start is so critical. I think that's the biggest thing. Confidence, get it going, proving you can win, win the tight games. You yeah. know, these NFL games, you look back at, at my career or over the course of the entire NFL, um, the NFL's life. I mean, games and seasons are decided upon those last oh, two man. minutes yes it's a and thin margin man. it is i mean you you know there's been seasons in my career where we would go six and ten or ten and six and you could literally have flip-flopped within yeah. three or four possessions and that's just the way the league is and again going back to that harking on that on the parody is when it's that tight the level of separation is so small that you have to make that play you have to yeah. make that stop you have to make that first down you know those are the things that matter and can they do it you know we all of course think they can yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Skull Stories. Our thanks to Chad Greenway for spending some time with us at TCO Studios. We will be back next week with another episode of Skull Stories. In the meantime, the border battle. The Vikings and Green Bay Packers will square off on Sunday at noon central time from the unfrozen tundra of Lambeau Field. The Vikings making a rare of late September appearance at Lambeau Field, and it's not a night game. It starts at noon. Should be pretty cool. Pre-game with Mike Musman begins on the Vikings Radio Network at 10 a.m. I am your host, Mike Wobshaw, signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week.